2: Connecting to the big show.
3: In three, two, one.
2: I just think it's an entitlement.
4: It's not
5: rocket science. It can be dope. I truly believe it can.
2: It's wanton destruction. It's also illegal. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just
3: talk? Call 1850-715-996.
2: Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696.
3: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
2: The lines are live.
3: Let's kickstart the conversation.
2: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
3: On Cork's 96fm
4: hearing, uh, was it Ross, Ross or Casey Ross, talking about the Harlan Coburn show there, The the, the Stranger, on Netflix, just before nine. I was telling him during the news, there's a few other things he can look out for. I started tempting you with stories of the innocent yesterday. I <clears throat> never got around to telling you what it actually is. It's brilliant. Uh, I'll share that with you during the morning. That's well worth binging over the weekend. And if you like your box sets, and sure so we do like our box sets, and the evidence is there now to prove we like our box sets, we take them into the jacks with us, believe it or not, on the phone to watch box sets. And we take them on the bus. So we did, well, Anyway... Uh, We'll have some fun with uh, a box set of choice during the morning, if you'd like to tell me what is your box set of choice. More on that. Also, I wouldn't be too overly concerned about the numbers in Cork right now. I've been digging into them, and while they look a bit iffy on the surface, dig down deep, and you'll find we're still doing really well, really well here. Uh, in, in the Rebel County. eighteen fifty seven one five, nine nine six. That's uh, all to come. But I don't think in all the years I'm talking to him, he's made two appearances uh, in the week on the show. Don O'Leary from the Life Centre. Don, my heart did a little flip last evening when I saw that news. Good morning to you.
6: Um, I, 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 you know, it's great news, PJ. Um, and I suppose it's it's kind of rise and fitting that it, it's heard... Um, on the radio by 96FM and particularly the Opinion Line because you have been amazing supporters going back over the, the, the 15 years that I've been in the centre at least if not longer and um, it, it, it's something we fought hard for parents, mm. staff and, and particularly our students um,
4: As and I said I... earlier in the week when we were marking your 20 years done at the centre I said that like when we first heard of the Life Center, you were struggling you weren't you needed money to keep the doors open. What does this hundred grand mean?
6: Um, it, it means sustainability into the future and and like there's other things there that make me, that have made me very excited I'm, I'm always excited to talk about young people in the center, but I suppose the money that's coming now kind of um allows us to do things we we weren't able to do, although we do lots of things and we always seem to get the money. But when you talked to me first, we were in the danger of closing the doors because we had no funding promised. We were on 47,000 from the, the state and it looked really precarious. And then we went up a small bit and then I had just f- fantastic philanthropists who took a gamble on us in, in a way and um, have supported us through this. But I always believed our kids were entitled to parity where everyone else an education. It's kids are in education. Um... Slightly different to the former, um, and, and that's grand, you know. Wherever you get your education, whatever gets you through to where you need to be is important. And, uh, you know, we have a more holistic view of education, as you know above. Mm. So it allows us that sustainability and, and certainty that, which I never had, that the, the money was going to be available year on and year out. And, you know, because when we take when I take a young person, the when I'm saying to that young person, you're with us on, 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 until the end. If you do the church is what you want, you're here. And I had not the money to take him to second year um, at that stage, and so so it's been a, 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 it's absolutely fantastic. And I think there are other things, you know, they're they're going to they're, they're going to uh, pay my staff that, uh, that above twelve posts. That leaves me uh, and and uh, my deputy resolution. It leaves us work. And uh, knowing in September we sit and so we can coordinate everything. And we we try to do it anyway, but this will make it a lot more easier the day to day running. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, looking at staff teams and, and everything like that and you know we, we still need volunteers and they know that because they're never going to pay us for all we do, we, all we do mm-hmm. but this is absolutely amazing and I'm really excited by a line in this uh, in this notification we got yesterday where there's an acknowledgement by, by the, the Department of Education that, that our kids have been successful uh, and that the centre has been successful in taking them to where they are and that in the, they're they're looking at an older school provision report, which which they're finishing, and from that they're going to talk to us about maybe rolling good practice out on alternative education other areas. Man, to me, that, that is, is you know to me that's so 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 exciting, um, and, and look, at, it's just, it just it gives us so much so much uh, time away from trying to knock in doors to be with the kids, to be with the staff, to be with the parents, which are all central to our work. But like, you have to take time out to look at what funding uh, places are there, what to give funding to generally run the place. And it can be quite difficult. And I suspect if we didn't get it this time, I could have been back on to you in, in October, November next year, uh, when, when the budget is coming out and saying, look, we've had cutbacks uh, and we're in danger. Now. Yep. Uh, I, uh, so, this, this takes all that away, and, and I, I'm so happy for, for young people because it no means they're recognised as, as, as kids that are doing their education, um, which they weren't, uh, even though they're leaving certain buff and everything else. You know?
4: I've been honoured um, to speak at an overview of your events over the years, and, and I've always made a point uh, that I believe uh, in my heart there should be a life centre in every city, town, and if you could do it, in every parish. And that commitment to look at you, or to look with you, at developing alternative education, that is more or less the department saying, well, actually, we should think about this.
6: Yeah, yes, and you know, it, it, it's, it's come as a big change, you know. And, you know, I, I, I give good bats to people when they don't do stuff. So, so I need to just say that, you know, the, the number of people that have come on and support us, so we went before the Dolly office, Committee. Every party uh, represented there, and independents represented there fully supported the centre and, and had written to the Department of Education. Paddy O'Sullivan from North, North Central and Donica O'Leary from South Central were instrumentalists in getting through the door. Party got us into the minister, then we went to the Eurotis. And after that, I must say, I, I took a call from Micheal Martin, and he's been calling me a weekend since. And he, without his power as Taoiseach, I'm not sure I'd be on the line today to you to say this was happening. And so I want to acknowledge all that. And I want to acknowledge all the, all the people out there, like yourself, that have stood by us because I think raising the profile of the centre, having the kids on to speak, has had an impact. And, you know, I'm entirely grateful. I mean, I didn't know what to cry, laugh, or what to do yesterday when I, when, when I was finally in paper. Because, you know, unless you have it on paper and unless it's open to the public domain, then... It may not happen. Mm. Um, this is happening. Uh, and I, I, I just need to acknowledge all that uh, in a way. But I do want to pay tribute to over a 1,000 staff that have been in the centre since I've been there, um, the kids that have been there, and particularly the parents as well, you know. Mm. They have supported us, and they put faith in us, and, and they stay with us. And, you know, I'm eternally grateful for that. Uh, 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 and all the stuff, and all, you know the kids. The kids are amazing. You know they come in, they're getting ready to do deliveries. Very strange times, uh, uh, and they're in, and they're doing it. Uh, uh, and uh, you know I'm always proud of the kids, mm. um, but they deserve. They deserve. And this is usually important. Parity of esteem with Europe, young people. have am going to school. Why should they be treated differently? They're studying their education. They're doing the same deliveries. They're trying to get. I'd I, I, that's not my big interest and you've heard me say this
3: before
6: once you're getting the exams doesn't matter to me once you're able to go into into the great big world of Australia and survive and get through it you know unless you're not coming back into your bedroom we fail if that happens and, and sometimes that happens and we, we, we try to stay with the kids but the kids are so so brilliant and mm. um, you know I'm there as I say bring it to my 16th year and I'm energized I'm <laughs> by the young people above there every day um, and long may that continue and I know I know it can continue and we're funded uh, and you know I, I can't express the feelings it takes a weight off our shoulders uh, and allows us to be with the kids more anything that allows me to be with the children more mm. <laughs> I'm not going to knock and, and this is just, just
4: so so good done it's it's great. I, I never thought we'd have a conversation like this, that it would always be a struggle, but here you are with sustainability for the magic that goes on behind that red door.
6: It, it, it's just, it, it, like, this is just magic to us, you know, and, you know, it's a funny thing. Micheál Martin um, opened the Life Centre in 2000, uh, in, 20, 000, in yeah, 2000, and, and there's a plaque in the hallway. He was also the first minister. He was there as Minister of Health. Gives the first fifty thousand into the centre, and it does seem kind of strange, you know. We're celebrating our twenty-two year anniversary. You know, and that has done T and he has, you know, delivered on sustainable funding for us. Twenty years after putting the first lot of money and opening the central just there's, there's a, a symmetry to that that I I don't I can't get my head around. But look, it's there, and, and uh, i it, it's just it's a relief. I mean. No one wants to be going to the door all the time and crying wolf. People get fed up with that, you know. And I was terrified we would be doing that again. Because look, it, we know from coming out of COVID, there are going to be massive cutbacks. Mm. Um, and i worried and worried and worried. And as I have this, is just magic. It's not, it's, it is, it is magic. Um, and I, look, you know, all the staff above and the kids, they're of huge credit because they're the ones that have brought us to this. Um, It's their effort, they're speaking to you, they're going above and beyond. It's to them. And that is, you know, 30th anniversary, Has to acknowledge the fantastic, brilliant staff and young people Mm. we have in the centre and to all our supporters as well. But the young people and the staff take full credit for this.
4: Well, they would turn to you and through the, through me I'm going to say that Don, the triumph of this, yes it's theirs, yes it's Rachel's, yes it's the staff, but a huge part of this triumph my friend is you, because if ever I've known a man who A, gave a damn and B, refused to even consider no as an answer, it's you. Yeah,
6: well someone described me yesterday as a pain in the ass and it's a pain in the ass that doesn't go away, and you know if that's what it is, then I take some credit for that. But, but, but yes, I, I mean, look, it's a credit to, to the whole community in the centre and it's part of that community and involved there. And so, yeah, I have a part to play as well, the
4: same as everyone else. Take care of yourself, mate. Talk to you soon. That's the great Donna Leary of the Life Centre. Sorted for 100 grand. You have no idea how much it means to them. 1850 Actually, do you know, it might be a nice time to reach out um, to any family, any parent who's worked with the Life Centre, who's been involved with the Life Centre, any youngster who's been through the Life Centre, who'd just like to send us a little message, maybe on voicemail at uh, 83 96 96. Just tell us how much this news means to you. Because when I first spoke to Don a few years ago, they were banjacks. They were gone. They were shutting the doors if they didn't get I think it was about 48 grand. They got it. They got it, but now look at it. And now the Department of Education, and how many years ago... Did we look at it and say, that's a very, very different way to do education? And that maybe, just maybe, there's a point being made behind those red doors. Now the Department of Education acknowledges in writing, this is the best bit. The money's great, but it acknowledges in writing what people have been saying for years. There's something going on behind those red doors that is special. And let's have a look. At how it could be done in other places.
2: Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With Dairy
3: Made Premium Spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork Cream.
2: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
3: Call us now,
2: 1850-715-996. On Courts,
4: 96 FM. I, I think of, of people that I've spoken to over the last number of years, shall we just say other professionals dealing with young people. And one of them said about, about Don at one point, and the team up there said, Jesus, there were days when you could happily choke them, but by God they get results eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six let 's look at the numbers because if you were to take cork on its own over the last few days, you would be worried uh, you would be well worried because yesterday we had thirty three sorry forty two actually forty two new cases confirmed yesterday of covid nineteen our five day moving average across the city and county, is 33, which is way up. It was only about maybe 12 or 13 a week or so ago. And our 14-day incidence per 100k of us, that's, that's half a million of us here, is 81. Now, that's up, and we've left the bottom of the, the table, as it were. We were there, and the bottom three, for a long time. We've moved up to seven or eight from the bottom. And, and you might be forgiven for being worried about that. And then the the local breakdown, which you can get, it, this is from a few days ago. Now goes up on the the website. Middleton and Yall, that general local electoral area, we you'd be concerned about that. Eighty six cases they've had in the last fortnight, and their per hundred k is one hundred and eighty nine, which is above the national average. The national average one hundred and twenty nine, and then the Cork City Southwest area, sixty cases in the last two weeks and 127.5, which is just around the national average. On the other side of that, you have Bantry and Kenturk are practically at zero, less than five cases over the two weeks. Those two areas, uh, less than five, they are at effectively zero COVID. Uh, 1850, 715996, if you're in any of those areas, how have you done it? Because we're all kind of jealous. So the numbers they average out well but you can dig a bit deeper into it too Um, let's go back to last month April 7th we had uh, 64 per 100k we've 81 today 81 per 100k today last month we had 64 March we had 93 February 7th 266 January 7th 1,225 per 100k of us now we're on 81 uh, which is very very promising and actually it's even better than that i'm holding on to the best bit of this go back to last year this day last year may 7th 2020 as we were heading towards the opening up i think it was may the 18th last year we started to open up Uh, we were on 41 per 100k this time last year but let's look at the breakdown um, when they do their report of an evening, you get the bit on the news where they give you the number of additional deaths and God rest those people, there's now nearly 5,000 of them, 4,921. And we've had yesterday 393 confirmed new cases. Now that that in itself is is, is a, a fair-sized figure. But 79% of those people yesterday, 4 out of 5 of them, were under 45 years of age. The median age, the average, is 28. Now, that's a very young cohort of people. What does that say to you? It says to you that the vaccinated groups, like the elderly, the very vulnerable, the 70-year-olds, the over 60s, increasingly more than that, the over 50s, that the vaccine is working in those cohorts. Cases in the elderly, nationally, have gone off a cliff. Cases in healthcare have gone off a cliff. Cases in the vaccinated cohorts, even those who've only had one jab out of the two, cases have gone off a cliff. Here's the best bit. You can dig into the figures and you can find out how many are in hospital in Cork. So yesterday, uh, and the graphs are a bit hard to read now, to be fair, you've got to spend a bit of time poring over them. But the graphs of yesterday show I can only find six people in hospital in Cork. Six to eight, that's why it's confusing, the graph is a small bit confusing, but six to eight, less than ten, shall we say, people in hospital at the moment in Cork with COVID. And there's nobody In the ICU. As of this morning, there is nobody in the ICU in Cork, and there's only a handful, less than 10 people in hospital out of a half a million of us in Cork, City, and County. We're doing all right, you know. We are certainly doing all right. We need to be careful. Tony Holohan was saying last evening, Look, lads. He didn't say, Look, lads. That's my saying. He said, Look, lads, we're getting there. And hold on for a while more till we get more vaccines out, more vaccines out into the community, more people in their 50s and then down into the 40s. Let's get get the vaccines into the arms and we can start to plan for the summer. And it's great. It's really great. We're laughing here. We're at uh, What's happening? There's a queue, apparently a queue, or at least little clumps of people, have started together out in Wilton Shopping Centre. Now, the... Premark website, the pennies website, is supposed to open up to take individual shopping appointments for pennies. It's supposed to start on Monday that you'll be able to go in and book your slot in pennies and then arrive at your appointed time. And there is apparently people waiting in their droves to book their online slots, the que- virtual queuing, it's, they're not queuing up but they're queuing online in their droves <laughs> they'll crash the flipping website you know Wilton Shopping Centre said last night on one of their social media uh, sites that the portal would go live on Premark's website which is true and that there'd be strict limits to how many people can shop per hour and the time they can spend there, that's all true but we can't actually see on the Premark website that it's gone live yet um, but I can imagine that the pressure on the website is huge. When it happens, we're told that the Wilton Shopping Centre, for a week or so, will have 100 slots per hour, but you'll have to shop on your own. There'll be none of this, come over here, do you see these ones? None of that.
3: Do you see them? John, they love it. Get to it, get 12, get seven of them.
4: No, that can't happen. You'll be going in on your own at your allocated time for 10 minutes. And there'll be 100 of you an hour. 100 slots an hour, one person per booking from Monday. But sure, it's all open now properly the week after, as far as we know. But the, the Penny's website It is like, I'll tell you what it's like now. It's a bit like Ticketmaster, the morning of a concert. They're sitting over it, waiting to go, I want to get in, I want to get in. All that fuss over fluffy socks. 1850 I'm reading a couple of reports in the last few days about big companies planning to bring people back into the workplace. Google being one of them. Google is working on a plan with its employees to come in and out on a part-time basis. That if you want to get in a couple of days a week, you can. If you stay at home a couple of days a week, you can. I see one of the big financial houses in the UK, I won't name it because I might get the name wrong. They're insisting that everybody who can comes back into the workplace from around September. And it's going to lead to legal arguments and fights between people and their bosses. Because they'll be saying, well, hold on now a minute. Why do I have to come back into the office? Because I've been doing my job from home for the last year and I've set up a little office for myself in the spare room and we've got the broadband and we've got the phone and I've got the printer and I've been doing my job to the best of my ability online for the last 12, 14 months and everything's been grand and you've been very happy with my work. So now I want to stay at home. And people are fearful that they'll be forced back into an office that they don't want to go into. We've spoken with Tina Kenny before. She's an employment law solicitor with Common Kelleher Tobin and she's with me again now. Tina, good morning. Good morning, PJ. There are a lot of people in that position. Now, some people hate working from home and are only dying to get back into the office. That's not what this is about. People who become quite comfortable at home, they've converted the spare room, they've bought a little desk, they're quite happy there now, and their bosses are going to get angsty. No, I need you back into the office. What rights are they going to have?
7: Well, this whole area is undergoing a huge amount of transformation and even pre-COVID, it was undergoing a a level of huge transformation because the EU brought in a directive called the Work-Life Balance Directive in August 2019, which is looking at how better to manage your work and your life particularly for people who have caring responsibilities for elderly parents or disabled people, you know, and for children, et cetera. Mm. Now, we've three years to, in, to enact legislation to try and give effect to that directive. And the Department of Trade, Enterprise and Employment are really active. They've issued the National Remote Working Strategy and they're going to bring in legislation towards the end of this year, which gives employees the legal right to request remote working. Now, the right to request remote working doesn't mean you you necessarily granted remote yeah. working. Those are two entirely different things. But it certainly puts it on a much stronger base for asking to work with per flexible arrangements due to your circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that will definitely help in that space. Um, But really, you have to go back to your contract and your written terms and conditions of employment. And by and large, your place of work is your office or Mm. the place that the company is. So technically, the company is perfectly entitled to tell you to come back to work, Mm. provided it is safe to do so.
4: But don't you have an argument that says, well, uh, yes, my place of work is the office. But out of absolute necessity, I've created an office at home. I've done everything asked of me. I've attended everything asked of me. I've met all my targets over the last 12 to 14 months. I want to stay here.
7: Yeah, absolutely, PJ. And that's a conversation that I think employees and employers are going to be having up and down the country. But what remote working doesn't do and the difficulties for companies is when everybody's at home, what's happening is there is this gap of senior expertise within the building. And that then has an effect on the younger employees, on collaboration, on all of these things that face-to-face within an office are just happen naturally and organically. And I suppose companies do have concerns that they're losing that, and it sounds very fluffy, it's very hard to quantify it, mm. but there is that level of when younger employees are in, and interns and apprentices, are, say, in, my, in the legal world, they gain so much by being in an office with senior senior lawyers who are talking on the phone, who are, you know, going to meetings with them. Things that are really difficult to do
4: remotely. Is this and, like the situation, Cleana, where you've got Mick, who's, who's 58, and who's done everything from make the coffee to report to the board in his 30 years in the office, and, and he can literally go to anybody's desk at any time and get them out of the little pickle they find themselves in. That's not the same if Mick is on Zoom.
7: That's exactly it, PJ. If Mick is on Zoom or Mick is at home in his attic, how then can all the other people learn and soak up everything that Mick knows? Because what Mick knows is in Mick's head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, It's not something that you can write down in a manual. Um, and I, I think companies are legitimately have concerns about that lack of expertise in the physical space. But like everything, there's a happy medium. And I suppose it is up to employers to have a written policy as, how, as to how they're going to deal with this. They should have a written policy already, in, in my view, but if they don't, it's time to get on it and mm. to get this done and to send it out to employees and start having these conversations. Like you say, there's many people that are going to be absolutely delighted to go back to their offices five days a week and never, ever want to work from home again. But it doesn't suit everyone. And that is part of the conversation that has to be had. But the first step for that is a policy.
4: Where it could get difficult is if a boss says, I don't care how comfortable you are at home. I need you in the office.
7: That's exactly it. And that is what's going to give rise to very interesting um, arguments and, I suppose, from a legal point of view, how that's going to be worked out. I mean, there's so much ad hoc legislation around the employment space. It's it's kind of a very difficult space to know there's one correct answer. But if you are being denied a flexible working arrangement due to any of the nine grounds of discrimination, like age, gender, you know, family status, whatever it happens to be, um, then you may have an equality claim. If you are somebody that, you know, is just not being accommodated because but you need accommodation due to potentially a medical condition or a disability that you have, and that's not being taken into consideration, that can lead to difficulties. Mm-hmm. So that's why written policies and employers just can't dismiss things out of hand. So they need to have a written policy as to how they're going to deal with this mm-hmm. and how they're going to discuss it. And that way, employees will know what can be requested, how it can be requested, and what they can do if the request is denied.
4: Let's look at two generic examples. Um, and, and see what, what you'd advise. So let's take Emma, typical worker in her 30s, has been doing her job from home for the last 14 months, was very uncomfortable at first because she's got a couple of young kids, but it's all going okay now. And Emma is happy in her nappy at home doing what she does. And she really kind of doesn't want to go back in September. But her boss is saying, Emma, first of September, you're back here. What's the conversation that she needs to have?
7: Well, the first thing Emma needs to find out and Emma's employer needs to give her is, is there a policy? So is there a policy in relation to agile working, flexible working or remote working within that company? And if not, why not? If there isn't, Emma can then go and look on the WRC website or, you know, get some legal advice in relation to her options. And at that point, you're also looking at your terms and conditions of employment, which under the law, have to be in writing. And what does that say about where you're going to work? And, I mean, at that point, Emma needs to be kind of getting together to show she can do the job, to show that maybe, I think flexibility is really the key to this. Can I do my job three days at home, two days in the office? Can I, you know, what way can I do mornings in the office, afternoons at home, whatever way it is, and explain it. But as I said, the fact that there's now an EU directive in about work-life balance and that the member states, including Ireland, are now going to have to look at this legislation. It will get much stronger legislatively for employees. Mm. At the moment, we're still in a very grey area. It will get stronger as this year progresses. And there is a national remote working strategy now for Ireland issued by the Department of Trade, Enterprise and Employment. And really, if employees, employers fail to take notice of that and fail to look at it in a a proper manner, in an objective manner, I think they're going to find themselves in trouble
4: Okay, so they need to sit down and have a conversation Just one last question Tina, such a thing as an implied contract Mm -hmm. does that have any bearing here?
7: It does, um, but I suppose we're talking about... What is it, to start,
4: anyway? What is sorry, it?
7: So, in implied employed, implied, contracts and implied terms of employment are ones that may not be written down. Um, so, like that, you know, there's an implied trust between an employer and employee so that you won't go and spread confidential information or the trade secrets of the company to the competitors. Things like that. Those may not be written down. A lot of times they are, but they're certainly implied. And there's always this custom and practice. So if something has been done for a long period of time and works, it's then seen as potentially being implied into the contract of employment. But I don't think anybody should necessarily take that, that just because I've been working at home for the last year due to COVID means it's an implied term in my contract that I can now work remotely forever. We were, this was an extraordinary time Mm. and due to a pandemic, a pandemic that with you know, widespread vaccination, reduced community transmission may no longer be the threat it was in the next few months. So I think we need to be very careful that we don't, suddenly jump the gun and start saying, oh, because I've worked for home, from home for 12 months, I can do that indefinitely. I don't think that would stand up, because we're talking about a very extraordinary set of circumstances.
4: Be prepared to have a conversation then. Clina, thank you very much. Uh, Clina Kenny, she's an employment law specialist at CKT Solicitors, 1850 715 Just some stuff on the the numbers and the cases. John says it's time to stop giving these figures out once a week. I don't worry. I didn't worry when they were in the thousands. And I'm not going to start worrying now. Open everything. Life is for living. OK, John, you can feel like that if you wish, but we made it a policy of reading out the numbers and analysing them maybe in a bit more detail than you get on the 6 o'clock news. And most of our listeners look forward to us going through the numbers on a Tuesday when it's really necessary, And but on a Friday uh, we've been doing it for months, and I don't intend to stop just yet. Uh, John's in Cove, another John. I'm not sure if this is of interest. I got my first jab of AstraZeneca four days ago. When I told people I was going to get it, they said, oh, boy, you're in for two days of hell after that. Well, nothing of the sort. Absolutely normal. No side effects whatsoever. I'm 63. Set up in City Hall's fantastic. I re- recommend everybody gets their vaccine and don't be listening to scaremongering idiots. By text, I'm classed as medically vulnerable. I'm still waiting on my vaccine. On a biological drug as well as a lot of medical issues. The hospital put me forward. I'm still waiting. People getting phone calls from their GPs with much fewer symptoms. I'm now going to register Sunday. Hopefully, I'll get sorted that way. That's what you do, text or Register as soon as you possibly can. But keep pressure on your GP. Keep a bit of pressure on your GP. If you're not in the age cohort just yet, Keep pressure on your GP. Uh, caller has Rapidia asked if there are any other 69-year-olds out there who've not been vaccinated yet or haven't yet received an appointment. An appointment I'd, be, I'd be very uh, upset to hear that because you should have at least had an appointment by now. whoever. You, I'd say call your GP. Put a bit of pressure on your GP. Uh, that if they don't do it for you, they'll redirect you. That's probably one good way of... of of approaching it. A couple of comments coming in as well on working from home. I'll get to them.
2: Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With
3: Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. You guys ready? Watch out, watch
2: Big Drive Home, weekdays from four.
3: On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. As you're driving home in the evening, make sure you're with me where I'll be driving you crazy with a one-second song. Some people panic under the pressure.
6: Oh, uh, I can't think of a song.
3: Some people do their research. They must have searched all of their songs, I think. And some people are just happy to be there. You've got to be on 96FM at least once. For that and a whole lot more, join me weekdays from four.
2: The four. Big Drive Home. Let's
3: Stoke business with Ford Lease. Hustle free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. The Big Drive Home.
2: On Courts 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text
3: or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96, 96
2: On Courts 96 FM.
4: Here's a question. Put it out there. Did anybody see a line of lights in the sky? This is a text message. Moving. West to east about 20 to 11 last night. About 40 or 50 lights moving west to east in the sky about 20 to 11 last night. Could there have be been a bunch of Chinese lanterns or whatever? I don't know. Did anyone see that? Didn't say where this uh, texture was, but they saw it anyway. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Imagine having the opportunity to sit before senior politicians uh, in in the doll or virtually, and tell them just what it's like to be bullied and just what you need them to do about bullying. Well, that's exactly what students from Kinsale Community School did when they sat before the Oireachtas Joint Committee on Media, Tourism, Arts, Culture, Sport and the Grailtaugt. They're currently looking at legislation at this committee called the Online Safety and Media Regulation Bill. And a couple of students from a concealed school were were at at that meeting, attended that meeting, one of them being Sarah Fitzgerald. Sarah, good morning to you.
8: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
4: This was, uh, was it by Zoom or, or were you there?
8: Yeah, no, it was it was by teams meeting, so it was online. So we were sitting in the school and we were we were chatting to them online. Yeah.
4: Okay. You had an opportunity to talk to one of the local TDs, Christopher O'Sullivan.
8: Yeah, exactly. He asked us one of the questions, so it was really nice to see a local face, and it was really nice to chat to them all.
4: So, what, how did it all come about? How, you, you you make you make a presentation to the committee, is that right?
8: Yeah, we made a presentation about the issue of cyberbullying um, and the suggestions we had for the committee in relation to it and how we can solve it in Ireland.
4: Yeah. And what suggestions did you have?
8: Well, one of the main things was, I guess, to own up to the fact that this is really largely a feminist issue and that girls are three times more likely to be cyberbullied than boys. And just, you know, looking at that and addressing that can really help us find better solutions to the problem, as can the idea of education and peer education. These are really important, uh, crucial aspects to the problem.
4: And do you think, Sarah, that the politicians, and most of them are middle-aged men in grey suits, shall we say, do they get it, do you think?
8: I'd like to think they would. After hearing us and after, after hearing me and Megan speak very passionately about the issue, I'd like to think that it might have resonated with them and a lot of them might have children and, you know, I'd like to think that they would want a, a good future for their children in relation to the online world. So hopefully, hopefully some of it stuck with them. Okay.
4: Put me on there to, to Megan for a second. Thank you, Sarah. That's Sarah Fitzgerald from Kinsale Community School. Um, just waiting for Megan here now. Hello. Hi, Megan. How are you?
9: I'm good. How are you?
4: Good. Just You had an opportunity to put your own point of view to the to the committee, what did you tell them?
9: Um, well, as Sarah was saying, I spoke about how it's a feminist issue and how it's um, it really relates to mental health issues and we need to tackle it as a nation together and conversations need to be had and it needs to become a topic that is really important in the education system.
4: I think one of the things that came up in the conversation generally was that young people don't like being told by adults and teachers how they should feel because they don't have any experience of this.
9: Yeah, so I think um, our parents haven't really grown up with social media and I suppose college students, senior cycle students can relate to us and they've grown up with social media from a young age like us and they can relate to us and we can, they can talk about it from their experience and give us solid advice that we can use
4: Like I think you barely knew anything about it until you moved into secondary school It never was a thing in primary school, it just started in secondary school, you saw it starting in secondary school
9: Yeah exactly, I didn't really know as much as other schools I suppose coming from the countryside I was very sheltered and it really opened my eyes coming into secondary school and I think that primary school students need to be more aware of the topic going into secondary schools because it's just a massive change going in.
4: You were both talking to the committee about uh, the idea of young online safety activists and that this should be provided for in law. Like, what would that entail? What would an online safety activist be?
9: Well, I think last year we were involved in the Internet Safety Day Awards and there was a Webwise youth panel and people like that I think could come into schools, whether it's coming in... um, in person or online and just talking about their experience and advice i think it would be really helpful for students to hear from a young person who's actually experienced it how to deal with a problem
4: Mm. i think you want it discussed in class too properly not brushed over
9: yeah in SPHE classes i think from first to third year um the topic is talked about and it's explained but there's no advice given on how to deal with someone when they approach you
4: yeah, because it it is a concern maybe that sometimes the teacher with the best intentions, d- they don't get it. So do, do you know youngsters like yourself and Sarah and your friends? You need to be able to lead this conversation, and it's the teacher needs to listen, not the other way around. Is that it?
9: Yeah, I think so. The teachers here anyway are very good. They they're very caring in SPHE class, but I think that they don't. They, they aren't coming from the same angle as we are because we have experienced it so I think that just senior cycle students ourselves just anyone who's experienced it can talk about it and give advice I think
4: Okay listen, well done to you both Would it interest either of you in a, in a career in politics?
9: Oh I'm not sure, definitely something in speaking though
4: <laughs> Okay alright well good luck with it you've done great on the, on the radio this morning uh, Sarah Fitzgerald and Megan Fahey students with Kinsale Community School uh, listen to them Maybe it's time that teachers and the rest of us started listening to them rather than expecting us or them to listen to us because they're the ones who are going through it. Come here, something I want you to think about during the morning. Uh, Box sets, television box sets. It looks as if the weather is going to turn fairly grotty for the weekend. and That's the forecast anyway. Grotty is probably the best word for it. So maybe a good box set. Might get you by. There's a thing in the papers in the UK this morning where they they said that TV box sets are now so popular that a lot of people have stayed up all night watching them, and they have actually they downloaded the box set to their phone so they can watch it in the bath or the loo, like you know, or at work. The most popular box set in this survey they did in the UK was Game of Thrones. Then. They did the X-Files, The Walking Dead, Friends, Making a Murderer, Breaking Bad, the usual ones, The Sopranos. Father Ted was hugely popular. It gave me an idea. So we're coming into the weekend. And like we said, the weather is expected to turn grotty. So, this is virtually now. I'm not going to start giving you one. or I'm not going to start giving you a box set. But if I could give you a box set, any box set, Of any show from any time, what would it be? So would it be something from the 80s, an old cop show? Would it be Breaking Bad? Would it be The Sopranos, Game of Thrones, The X-Files, Dallas? Any show from any time, you can have the box set to binge on it this weekend. The West Wing, there's a great one. Any great show like that. Tell me what it is at 083-396-9696. 96, 96. Your dream box set weekend. You can do nothing for the weekend but watch this box set and eat chocolate and maybe have a drink. So what would it be? 1850-715-996. Your entries for that one, 083-396-9696. 96, 96. Your dream box set. You can spend the whole weekend with this box set. The lines are
2: live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk?
3: Call
2: 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 83 396 96 96.
3: Email opinion at
2: 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
3: On Cork's 96FM.
4: OK, for the Crack, Terry has decided to get into this um, virtual queue for for pennies, all right? premark are allowing you now to queue up to go on a solo shopping appointment around pennies in Wilton um and and he's decided to sign up and see because I think he wants a few socks and jocks and that kind of thing. so so he's in the queue right now um and it says to him thanks for your patience. Your estimated time, well, it's now down to 33 minutes. We're experiencing a high volume of traffic and we're using a virtual queue system to monitor the amount of users on the website at the same time. This will ensure you have the best possible online experience. Please note, your position in the queue does not guarantee a booking in your preferred store. This page will automatically refresh. Please do not close your browser. Last update, 9.59. So, in other words, 33 minutes is his waiting time. But I'd be more worried about that last bit, Terry, where it says, please note your position in the queue doesn't guarantee a booking in your preferred store. So you want to go to Wilton, um, but you could end up, well, you could end up in Watford, or, or you could end up getting sent to, to, to Galway to Penny's. Would you be that desperate like We'll see how it goes. Can he, can he get an actual appointment to go shopping in pennies before the end of the show? 1850 Lovely to see your suggestions for box sets coming in. Some absolute classics, in all some real classics in there. Uh, massive throwbacks from years gone by. I might try and pull a few themes just to go with it during the morning. But keep them coming. I'll give you a box set, virtual box set, of course. I'll give you a box set for the weekend to watch. Because the weather is going to turn grotty by all accounts. And you can have any box set, anytime, any kind of show, or a movie, anything, or an actress stuff, anything. Like the Dirty Harry box set. If you want that, you can have it. Or if you want the West Wing, you can have that. Or the original House of Cards, you can have that. Or anything you want. Are you being served? You can have that. Or something. What was the one? Saved by the Bell. That was another big popular box set. Or 90210, massive box. Or the Grey's Anatomy. Now, you'd want a truck to get the Grey's Anatomy box set out to you, but you know what I mean. 1850-715-996, and for those ideas, 83 396 96, 96. Now, yesterday morning, we had Niamh and Mary Jane on the show talking to us about a new scam that caught Neev out badly. She really got caught caught badly, mm-hmm. In fact, it practically wiped out her business overnight. And it was an Instagram scam. And Nia was telling us about what actually happened.
10: I was like... What's with all the emails? This is half nine on a bank holiday Monday evening. I I I call it a fake Sunday. And I had the first one was new login on Instagram somewhere in the UK. The next one was phone number removed. Um phone number removed from Instagram, email changed on Instagram, username changed on Instagram, and then we got a lovely email. Hi, we got access to your Instagram to restore return it to you, write us on our email. Your time account is blocked through your Instagram settings. We are waiting for a response from you within two hours. If we do not receive a response, then we delete all your information from your account and then we sell your account. There were two of these emails from two separate addresses saying the exact same thing. At first, I was like, What is this? This is, this is, you know, when you're running an e-retail business, anyone that runs a business out there and actually anyone that has a website will know this. You're constantly getting emails along the lines of, we'll do your SEO. Do you want an app? There's constantly these different things that are out there. So I wasn't really sure how legit this was, but it was, it was, it was panicky. It was enough to kind of get me a little bit like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And, um, I started, I went then to get into Nemo Brush, and it wasn't there. It said, we're not logging you in. And I, again, was trying to get in, and, and then I was getting more of these emails. The the uh, two-hour one then went down and got another email telling me I had an hour left, that I was running out of time. Then it went down to 40 minutes. Well,
4: that was her experience. And then yesterday, the Live at the Marquee people tweeted that they were being scammed as well. Uh, they tweeted that there was a... I'll, I'll read it from, their, from the Live at the Marquis own Twitter. They said, Scammers are setting up fake streaming pages on Facebook, charging to stream events that are not taking place. Uh, we've reported that pages are doing this for Live at the Marquis. Always check with the official website before signing up. So what I get from that is that we know Live at the Marquee isn't happening this summer, and they are booking furiously to get everybody back in for the summer of 2022. But obviously some scammers are chancing their arm to see, can they pretend that there is a virtual Live at the Marquee happening, which there is not. If there was, trust me, we'd be telling you about it, we'd be shouting it from the rooftops, but there isn't. Uh, But some people are trying to scam you into thinking... That there are. Let's catch up with a good friend of the show, Graham Mulhern from Be Secure Online. The the more it goes on, and the more we try to make people aware, the, the more sophisticated the scams become. Graham, good morning to you,
11: and to you, PJ. I'm I'm more concerned uh, about poor Terry getting his new cax though down at Primark. Um, that's uh, that's that's my thought of the day here so far, uh, PJ. You need to leave him alone, poor fellow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if he gets the appointment before the end of the show. Yeah. So sure, worse, worse yet, yeah, he 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 could um he he could end up in some store in Dublin sure, or even Belfast. That'd be the worst. <laughs> you have him, you have him, you have him under pressure there. Go on anyway. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> um yeah, online scams more of it and more of the same. I I had to one I was listening to the podcast and I think one one very important theme for people, and I know the 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 girls were mentioning it is and you were you were is is we need to take a um, a good look at our passwords i mean there 's a lot of messages to talk about, but just to keep it simple for the listeners, I think passwords is probably one of the recurring themes and just just to and to put it in uh, to put in really simple context uh, p j the um if, if we have a device that connects us to the world, Um, don't forget the world is connected to us and they're not full of good intentions Mm. and really um, too many people are going out uh, on their phones to the world without securing anything without following any good user habits uh, without taking passwords seriously I mean for example Liverpool FC and 123456 are not passwords they're invitations
4: Mm. to be ripped off and how many people use the word password?
11: Yeah, well, uh, 123456, password, and I love you are like, something like 5% of the entire, and Ronaldo, something like 5%. So if you get somebody, of the entire world's passwords, so if you get somebody's Gmail address, Um, and you try, say, 123456 or password, you have a 2 to 3% chance of getting in on those two alone, Mm. or 444 or something like that. And these guys have machine bots that can do all of that in 30, 40 seconds. And um, by the way, as you know, the the, the list of popular passwords, 123456, has been the world's top password since the early 90s. Yeah, um, And Liverpool is a dangerous one as well. Liverpool FC is not a password. And Liverpool FC underscore 123 is not. And Liverpool underscore uh, slash Sané Kenny Dalgleish, still not passwords.
4: Mm. And the, how the bots work, isn't it, is that they put this useless password, say Liverpool FC, they put that into a search, and it can literally find any account that has it and crack them open there and then and if it's of interest if it's somebody's business hey bingo
11: yeah and um, absolutely and I mean how do uh, this all goes back to how they harvest these things in the first place Um, so if you have a business like the girls have They need to be asking back home at the ranch, do any of their teenage sons, uh, for example, do they stream Sky Sports instead of paying for it? Or do they stream? And all of these hosting services, or if they're out gaming, doing something illegal gaming without a VPN or something like that, all of these people are taking passwords and all of the data and reading the disk for uh, uh, into the notes file, like the, the ladies were saying as well, finding possible passwords that you've written down on your machine. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole lot of practices here. But without going into that in too much depth, have a good look at your password structures. Get something that works for you. That's difficult and maybe consider breaking PJ and this is one thing I didn't hear them mention but maybe you can mention this again on air is break it up into social, personal, business and banking. That's four different passwords that Mm. you will need to remember and
4: don't write them down on your machine. I think Mary Jane made that point. She said she has for all of her social media and the nature of her work is that it's hugely online is that for social media she's got one email account and one passport that's not used for anything else. So they can't get at her through her social media.
11: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're going to have to look at further segmentation. And um, uh, for everybody driving along, if if they're driving and good luck to them if they are, but if everybody at home or whatever use, and you mentioned the name of one of them, but it's just gone commercial, um, lastpass.com until about two weeks ago, it was free on every device. But um, uh, if you buy one of these, say, uh, b- b- antivirus products on our website, you get free password managers. But password managers are great. Um, I mean, I have over 200 online accounts with all of my various different websites. And um, uh, without a password manager, I just wouldn't be able to get anything done but but they are secure, yeah. and a good number of them are free. It, that worries
4: me a little bit, Graham. You know, I have a, an iPhone, and I have the face recognition, and my iPhone stores passwords so that if I want to get into certain things, that it just has to, to look at my ugly mug, and I'm in. Like, is yeah. that hackable?
11: Oh yeah, absolutely. And can we can we start with one really basic uh, one really basic uh, thing? Samsung and Apple, and especially Apple, don't give a monkeys about your online security. And the number of people say to me, oh, "Well, you've bought an iPhone. That's all secure. It ain't." And Apple don't give a toss. Um, and just as you mentioned, your attractive looking face there, PJ. Um, the, another little thing to do is switch off in-app purchasing, and if you'd like, maybe take the time this morning to just disconnect your credit cards in all of your browsers. Um, you know, not everybody is as slick as Ryanair, um, who would probably be amongst the better ones, but Ryanair has been hacked as well. Um, so maybe, maybe just think. Yeah, there are a lot of conveniences I enjoy online, but maybe have a little rethink and definitely m- consider switching off in-app purchasing on your your phones this morning mm-hmm. and disconnecting credit cards mm-hmm. um, because that's just it's too tempting.
4: Yeah. How are you on the use of passphrases, as in something that's uniquely yours to open? Like Tom, to, to, Tommy likes born toast to open um, your your,
11: your yeah. Um, Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm big on that. And I mean, I have, I, I use an old address from my past, uh, along with a telephone number and something else. But if you add a number at the end of that, um, and so Tommy likes burnt toast underscore, um, but not his birthday, something else. So underscore three, five, nine, whatever, but make it a, make it, or make it a memorable old telephone from the past, but just add an underscore or a middle hyphen or something and maybe two of those. Um, But uh, that would make it a lot secure. So that would lift it. You know, the way they rate them on these systems. Yes. You know, where it turns green, yellow, red, and then red is our super duper high security. Um, What you really want to get to is scorching hot red and scorching hot red would be add a couple of underscores and memorable numbers. And that makes it much, much trickier. All of these fellows in in Nepal and India who are trading these, um, trading these passwords and breaking in, they give up if they can't get in quickly. Yeah. Um, so if you if you just make it a little bit more trickier, so Tommy likes burnt toast underscore plus another underscore and a numerical sequence.
4: Right. Right. Oh, one that obviously you'll remember, but but nobody yeah. else will. Now, absolutely. Neve has gone to great lengths to get her business back up and running again, and she's got most of her followers back. In fact, I think she's probably increased on her yeah. followers. But you, I heard that you could have been badly stung there, and 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 they get the idea that they they'll ransom you. Never pay the ransom. Correct. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'd
11: never pay the ransom. I mean, um, they'll send you an email. The the laugh is they'll send you an email saying thanks for the payment and they'll forget to send you the code because they ain't got one. Never pay the ransom. Always reported to the Gardaí. What can the
4: Gardaí do, Graham?
11: Um, the first thing is we've got to tell the Gardaí, whatever they do, the first thing we've got to make them know that online crime is, is a pandemic, to use the phrase of the day. Online crime is now is much greater threat to you than uh, any other type of crime. Now, I'm not including being beaten, to, 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 near beaten to death sure. on the street. No, I'm not. But online crime is the uh, quickest, safest, easiest way to rip you off. And the number of people who don't take any fundamental steps, like buying uh, security services or backup, and there's a fantastic tippy, uh, if you've got an iPhone, you can buy for 2.99 a month that'll back up all of your personal photographs. I, I, know a per, I know a personal friend of mine rang me about a week ago. He had lost 20 years of photographs because uh, he had, he had, he'd got hacked. Mm -hmm. And he had no backup. And when I said to him, Terry, and this is, his name actually is Terry. Um, Terry, if you'd spent, uh, did you not have? Do you have the I- iCloud backup, yeah. two hundred gigs for two ninety
4: nine yeah. a month? Oh, I pay for it. For God's sake, back oh, up. I, oh, I pay it. It's it's, it's invaluable. You, you oh, it's brilliant. Lose a phone, smash a phone, have a phone robbed. You know, you can. It's you've you've still got, got everything. One that is going around, Graham. I said I bring it in here at the end because I, I I experienced it myself a week or two ago, um, and this is phone calls purporting to come from Amazon that don't.
12: Yeah,
11: um, yeah. I mean, how often do we have to mention? Uh, they're going to pluck names uh, out of the thin air that you're likely to trust, and um, Amazon uh, uh, Amazon would be one of those names. I'm not sure Microsoft would be, but um, uh, names that you know and you know, Aircom, uh, that type of thing. Uh, common sense is a linchpin of operating on the internet. Common sense, a little bit of security, and a backup. But those three, in whatever order, and if you use any of them, you'll probably stay safe and never pay. Never, ever pay. They don't give a toss about you. I mean, why is some man in the back street in Kolkata who cannot feed his family and is doing this pressured by others or whatever, why is he ever going to give you a release code? I mean, that in reality is... Uh, that in
4: reality is what's going on. All right. Listen, Graham. always good to get your expertise. That's Graham Mulhern from Be Secure Online. Look up his website. There's all sorts of tricks and tips on it to how to keep yourself secure online. And if you're one of these people, and they're out there listening in going, ah, what kind of an idiot would we'll get caught up like that. I didn't even go there with Graham. We've had that conversation before. The fellow who says, ah, what kind of an idiot, is the very aegis they will catch. 1850-715996. Some great suggestions for box sets. Can we just talk?
2: The opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy made
3: premium spread, 100 percent natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. The two
2: grand a minute.
3: It's Cork's biggest breakfast cash giveaway. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Listen to play at 740 and 840 every day on
3: Corks 96 FM. Yeah! You're sure
2: oh! Answer 10 questions. Ring, 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 ring. To claim all that cash. cash, oh, cash oh, oh, my God. Oh, the winner, there you go. Go, go. The Terra.
3: With Gardener's Choice in your local allied merchant store. Make them your number one choice for liquid plant feeds and lawn fertilizer.
2: Casey and Ross in the morning. I
3: actually don't believe it. On Cork's 96 FM.
8: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
1: Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right?
0: So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
2: Can we just talk? The Opinion line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp
3: now. 0833-969696.
2: On courts
4: 96FM. Coming up, water safety and how you should never take inflatables and particularly never let children into the water on inflatables because it can be an absolutely terrifying experience, not just for you, but for them. That's coming, 1850-715-996. But some of your box sets that are coming in, uh, Cray says Band of Brothers, Tracy, NYPD Blue, Maeve says, criminal minds, are you being served an outlander? Annette says, the West Wing or the Wire. Uh, Deborah, last of the summer wine. Any box set that I could give you if I could uh, today, I uh, want to know what one it would be at 83 396 96. 96. Any one at all, because the weather is going to turn grotty for the weekend. And you'll want a box set to watch. Have a listen to this.
13: It was beautiful weather gorgeous evening but it was very gusty. We were down there with the kids. I actually had a picnic table with an umbrella in it, but the umbrella had to come down because with gusts of wind it kept blowing over and the wind was blown out to sea. A family parked up beside us and they had two little twin girls. They blew up an airbed that you sleep in. They took it out of the boot of the car, and the two little girls were playing on the airbed, jumping on and off it, and they were kind of in and out of the water with it. We knew it was dangerous. We knew
14: that something could happen. When we did go over, the airbed was gone. The father was trying to run after them. He couldn't get to them because the wind was too strong.
13: But he obviously wasn't going to give up. Rick. He just kept going. Annette got her phone, and she made the call.
4: I received a phone call around about 8 o'clock that evening to say that two girls had gone out to sea on a, an airbed. The Coast Guard had been alerted, and the lifeboat pagers had been set off. And I knew from experience that it would take maybe 15 minutes for any of the rescue services to get here. So I decided to launch my own boat.
13: Within like a minute or two, I suppose, there was another three or four men in the water as well. And they were all swimming for this air mattress with the two girls on it at one stage i took a
14: photograph just so that we know where to start searching for bodies the dad
13: reached the air mattress and he took one of the girls off it he starts swimming back towards shore with her you know, he was going on and so was she and they took a lot of water on at that time i just remember um another man then taking her from the dad while the dad was going to go back out to the other girl but the dad got into difficulty then and you picked
4: pick them up. I picked up the um, the little girl and she was cold and in shock.
1: She was very frightened.
14: When they came in, everyone was just in disbelief. Didn't realize this could happen. It just unfolded so quickly. You panic.
13: The very minute we saw those girls floating, like it was literally seconds and they were gone. Like the wind was so strong.
4: We had enough first on on the night to treat both the little girl and the father with oxygen. What really, really saved the day, that they've got to act quick.
14: Your natural instinct is to go in after a child, to save a child. But if you're not equipped, you become you become in danger as well. So the more people go in, the more saves that have to be made.
4: That's from a hard-hitting new video on, on water safety. Caroline Casey is the Water and Road Safety Development Officer with Cork County Council and joins me. I'm also joined by Peter O'Shea from Ballycotton Lifeboat, who i speak with in a moment. Caroline, good morning.
15: Good morning, PJ. Nice to talk to you.
4: And to you. You're leading up this project. The number of incidents involving inflatables, it's on the up, is it?
15: That's correct, PJ. Between 2017 and 2019, the incidence of call-outs relating to inflatables has almost tripled. And last year, there was two drownings relating to inflatables off the Irish, um, off the, off the Irish coast. There was one, and there was one inland. So be it on the coast, uh, at the beach, or inland on open waterways, um, these toys or inflatable beds are not suitable.
4: Yeah, toys is what they are, and they really shouldn't be brought into the water. Many people, of course, they arrive to the beach, the sun is shining, the day is warm, they blow up the, the lilo, and they go into the shadows, and they think it'll be fine, but they don't spot the hidden dangers.
15: Absolutely, PJ, that's correct. I suppose some look like toys. For example, they look like animals, or boats, or airbeds. But the thing is that offshore winds can be very strong off our coast, at our rivers or at our lakes. And these winds can take the inflatables out to sea in the blink of an eye. And children can be tempted to follow the toys out because, you know, kids like their toys and they're not going to want them to blow out. But worse, if the kids are on them and if they're blown out, the toy can be taken out so quickly. The toy can can deflate or the children can fall off them. So it's the same in the, sea, in the river or it's the same in the lake. So these toys can give a false sense of security when you're on the water. Mm-hmm. But as we know, they can get pulled out or blown out to sea really quickly.
4: Because a parent might think, well, look, she's out there, her armbands, her tube or whatever, and, and her lilo. She, one thing, she's going to stay afloat, but the lilo can, can drag her away. So what is the message for parents who, who might be considering taking something like that to the beach?
15: So the the overarching message PJ is don't put them in the car because if they're not with you, you can't be tempted to put them in the water, like the phrase out of sight, out of mind. Okay, So they're not suitable for open water. Please don't take them to the beaches, rivers or any of the open waterways.
4: Now when do the lifeguards start, the council lifeguards Caroline, and where will they be based this season?
15: So our beach lifeguard service starts um, the weekend of June the 5th. That's on a Saturday. And they'll finish on September the 12th. They work June weekends, full-time July and August, and the first two weekends of September. They start duty on a daily basis at half past 10 in the morning, and they finish at 7 in the evening. So we'll have the lifeguards on the three beaches in Yall. They'll be on Gary on Fountainstown, our two beaches on the Old Head, uh, Inchidani East and West, and then they'll be also on Onahincha, uh the Warren Tregumna, and on Barley Cove.
4: Okay, what we'll do is we'll get a full list of those lifeguards and we'll read them out as often as we can, just to be helpful. We prefer You obviously prefer people to go to a beach where there is a lifeguard. Caroline, thank you very much. Good luck with this campaign. Stay there for me. Peter O'Shea is with the Ballycotton lifeboat crew. Peter, good morning to you. Good morning, Peter. The idea of of, of putting a kid into a lilo or into a little rubber kayak, it's something that fills you and your crew with dread because you'll get called out to something.
16: Yeah, and I suppose, uh, to reiterate from Caroline, has said that no no parent goes to the beach to put their child in danger and, and no child wants to be at the beach and separated from their parents and a traumatic experience. And I suppose at best, it could be a traumatic experience and at worst, it could be a, a tragedy. So again, I suppose what Caroline says, that the weather changes just so quickly uh, at the blink of an eye, and they're drifting away from the shore. Mm. The shore gets smaller and smaller. They can't see their parents anymore. And, you know, you could just you can imagine just how traumatic it is. And it just seems like time just slows down. And, you know, you just don't know what to do next. Yeah. And that's when, when, when people like ourselves are called. And the, the, the child could be maybe a half mile from the shore, yeah. further away.
4: Yeah, You, you mentioned the, the changeability of things and, and I suppose it's an important point to make. Look, even when you're on holidays in, in Spain where things are much different, you're advised not to take inflatables into the water. But at least if you do there, it's stable and it's calm and the chances of a dramatic change in weather or tide is probably low enough. But when we're here at home, our weather is cha- changeable, unpredictable the wind can whip around in an instant
16: It's not even the wind and it's not even the weather, it's just a little small breeze and people yeah. don't appreciate just how much that small breeze is taking effect on a dinghy and you will have no control over what's going on and as the parent on the beach standing watching it, you will have no control and I suppose the only thing I can say is you'll just feel like oh I wish I had a time machine and I could go back this morning and not bring that dinghy to the beach, why did we not Why do we bring that thingy to the beach?
4: You don't want to be having those those feelings. Listen, thank you, Bolt. Please, is the message, do not bring any inflatables of any kind to the beach over the coming summer months. Caroline Casey, uh, Water and Road Safety Development Officer with Cork County Council and Peter O'Shea from Ballycotton Lifeboat thank you both for being with us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. We will have that list and I think we'll keep it in studio and read it out relatively frequently particularly when we're headed into some good weather, where the lifeguards are what hours they're working and please if you have children only ever swim where there is a lifeguard. 1850-715-996. We touched on the COVID numbers earlier this morning and how encouraging they actually are when you drill down into them. But the message from the medics is, look, let's stay Vigilant. I'll go briefly to Dr. Nuala O'Connor because I know she's very busy. Dr. O'Connor, GP here in Cork and the COVID-19 lead with the Irish College of General Practitioners has been on the opinion line before. Nuala, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Good to speak with you again. Drilling down into the numbers, we can see that the vaccines are working. We can see that things are, are on the up, as it were. The numbers in hospital and much less the numbers in ICU, very encouraging. But now is not the time to run before we can walk.
5: Absolutely, PJ. And it is... I mean, it is wonderful. It's wonderful to see the the benefit um, and uh, that vaccination is giving us, particularly for uh, our elderly citizens. And you know, the, the the new freedoms that people will be able to have from next week, able to meet each other indoors without masks, if they've been vaccinated. You know, uh, many of our elderly citizens now will be able to feel safer. Just just going to the shop to get a carton of milk. Um, um, uh, um, or meeting up uh, with with their family, hugging their grandchildren. You know, it's wonderful to see that. And in our nursing homes, um, you know, they, they're going up to four visits per week being allowed. So those are fantastic because a lot of our elderly citizens have really, uh, you know, many of them have been, have been cocooning for months. But we must remember that the numbers are still over the four hundred consistently okay mm. so we're averaging around four hundred and twenty and if you look at cork yesterday we had forty two positive cases yesterday we had four hundred and forty positive cases in the last fourteen days yeah so the virus is still very much circulating out in the community it hasn't changed and, and actually now we have ninety five percent of the viruses the b one 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 the one seven virus which is much more contagious.
4: Yeah. The British so, one. Yes.
5: You know, the, the, the the thing is um as we open up society we need to focus on doing the things that we know are safer and that essentially is meeting outdoors. Yeah. Okay? Outdoor activities. Because this virus, if we start to get together in a crowded, indoor Poorly ventilated spaces, especially when there's alcohol involved, and the all let our guard down, as we know with that. That the virus—it's just waiting because it—you know—we've been—we've been able to suppress it reasonably successfully here, and it's just waiting to escape. We only have to look to other countries. Look at India; I mean, yeah. they were doing fantastically, and you, so it, it, this can slip very fast if we're not careful.
4: Yeah. <laughs> It was great to see and digging down into the charts that the HSE publishes that at the moment there's nobody in ICU in Cork and I think it's less than 10 in hospital, the way I'm interpreting the charts, which is absolutely great because it shows that the vaccines are working and people are not getting very sick. But like you said, the virus is still circulating and until such time as there's far more of us vaccinated, that's going to continue to be the case.
5: Absolutely. And you know, the vaccination is continuing at pace. I mean, many people out there, uh, you know, in, in their, from 60 up now, most people have actually got, who, who registered for the vaccine, um, have an appointment, um, and they'll be moving on. As we know now, everyone between 50 and 59 is allowed to, re- to register in general practice. In about two weeks time, we will have all of our over 70s fully vaccinated. We're, you know, we're on to the, the last group of their second doses and we've also vaccinated uh, between the hospitals and and general practice a lot of people who were vulnerable due to their medical conditions but at a younger age and we're going to be continuing to do that over a number of weeks along with with the hospitals Mm. and the next thing then is is, is, uh, pregnant women Uh, as you know the recommendation has now been that they should be offered vaccination so we hope again in the next couple of weeks that the pathway for that will open up Mm. and so, you know, it's just lovely we see that the graph of the vaccines going going up, and if we can hold the uh, COVID cases at where they are at the moment, ideally get them down a little bit more, but at least hold them, we're very soon going to reach that tipping point in more and more age groups, Yes. that the 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 vaccine is you know it's beating the
4: virus Mm. that's very important Nuala and just before I leave you I suppose if we were having this conversation last year we would have been saying look we're hopeful the numbers are promising we don't know what the summer holds but we're different now in that we know at this stage we know that the good stuff is starting to happen and if we hang on in there we'll all get there
5: Absolutely. And and the basics are still so important, P.G. So if you do have symptoms, take yourself out of circulation. even the mildest symptoms. And, you know, people are doing that. I mean, people are ringing us and they're saying, look, I wouldn't be ringing except I know I'm supposed to ring. I feel I've only a bit of a head cold. But sometimes COVID can just be a bit of a head cold. Yes. Um, So the thing to do is just take yourself away from people. Stay at home. You know, take some fluids, some paracetamol, stay at home until your symptoms settle. Stay out of work. Don't put anyone in your circle at risk. Talk to your GP and get tested. And Enjoy the outdoors. Thankfully the weather is getting a little bit better. Um and I, we know it was a little bit warmer as well, mm. but you know, it was opening up a few the weeks outdoors. more, a few weeks more that'll yeah, be okay. Yeah, the Second summer, half of
4: May the, usually warms up a bit. Yeah, yeah.
5: And the summer is ahead of us. Um, and so I think there's a lot for us to look forward to, but we just need to keep the brakes on another five or six weeks until we get those vaccine numbers up a bit more
4: Okay, listen thank you very much I know that you've got a really really busy schedule uh, and you were able to spare us a few minutes thank you so much Dr Nuala O'Connor a GP here in Cork and she's the COVID-19 lead with the Irish College of General Practitioners someone made a very good analogy here in the last couple of days and I really liked it and I just wanted to repeat it for you so you're setting out to drive to Dublin in your new car up the motorway, all right? And you live in a housing estate, for argument's sake, in Bishopstown. And obviously it'll take you maybe 10 or 15 minutes to get to the motorway and get up there beyond the first toll, say, up around Fermoy, And that's when you put the new car into cruise control. And you set it at just 110 or 120 kilometres and you relax and you drive on and the music is on and you're enjoying the day and a lovely, dr- lovely drive and you'll get to Dublin. But supposing you decided to come out of your house, straighten up in the road and put the car into cruise control. At that point, should there be carnage and weeping and gnashing of teeth because you do wreck in your housing estate and in the street around you. That's the point. We're nowhere near cruise control just yet. The car is coming out of the housing estate onto the main road, headed for the first couple of sets of traffic lights. Maybe in another couple of weeks we'll be at the start of the motorway. Then we're past the toll bridge and then we can lash into the old cruise control. Think of it that way. You wouldn't go into cruise control when you're still in your park on the way to driving to Dublin. I thought it was a nice way of putting it. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Couple more of your box sets, loads of them. Mary Jane says the Sopranos or The Wire. Tim's Sons of Anarchy. I liked that when it was on. Actually, Dexter. Oh, Dex. My my sister in laws a massive fan of Dexter. I wasn't, but keeping up appearances. Ah, yes. Absolutely. Mrs. Bouquet. Mrs. Brown's Boys. Some others do have them, says Jim Cove. Last of the Summer Wine, says Deborah. Tom wants a film. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Oh, that's brilliant. The Wire, says Annette. Downton Abbey, says Deirdre. Oh, yes. Yes, classy, classy. And another one just like that uh, would be Mr. Selfridge, if you can get your hands on that. I've talked about it before. NYPD Blue, Criminal Minds, Outlander, Alias Smith and Jones oh, There's a great line in the intro to that There's one thing we got to get What's that? Out of this business Absolutely
2: Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With
3: dairy made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your
2: guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. As part of Cork Midsummer Festival, composer John O'Brien has composed a lullaby for the city to bring comfort to people of all ages in the time of the pandemic and midsummer. John and an orchestra made up of some of Cork's finest musicians will travel to communities across Cork to perform and you can check out more information at CorkMidsummer.com Access all areas Villager's new album Fever Dreams is set for August 20th and Conor O'Brien's band have announced the Cork show set to take place at the Opera House on Tuesday, November 2nd. Special guest is Concord White and tickets are available now. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us here at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on side On Cork's 96fm. Can we just talk The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
3: Call us now, 1850-715-996
2: On Courts, 96 FM Colombo's
4: another one And hey, one more question, ma'am One more question Tales of the Unexpected Lord of the Rings Says Yvonne Rockford Files. Ah, there's a Jim Rockford. Love it, love it, love it. The Foresight Sag. Dinner Ladies. Ah, the genius that was. Victoria Woods. Any box set with David Attenborough in it. The Life Series. Love that. Love that! Here's someone who saw that um, line of stars moving from west to east. This is Marie in Dunmanway. Maybe it had something to do with Hattie's comment. Maybe it did. Keep your box set suggestions coming. Oh uh, eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Terry managed to get himself an appointment. He got as far as the booking page. Was able to book a slot for Wilton. There's a number of slots still available. For Monday, hold on, he didn't take the slot, he didn't want to get in anybody's way, so don't panic, he didn't proceed, so some other person can get it. But the holding page was saying how long you had to wait, and then it went to an error message. So refresh the booking, keep going back into the link, and it brought you straight to the page that allowed you to book your store and book your slot. So you'll get there. You'll get there. It took about an hour, maybe an hour and a bit to actually get an appointment for pennies. He's not going. It's all right. He's got to hold on. They're not taking anybody's place in the queue, but it can be done. Primark website. Pennies. Shopping on your own pennies. Net. Would you not wait another week for a pair of fluffy socks? I love this idea, right? You get yourself a cup of coffee, cup of takeaway coffee. Alright, and we're always being told, dispose carefully of the coffee cup, because many of them don't biodegrade. Bring your own plastic one, or, you know, keepy-cuppy if you want to. Uh, don't just chuck it to the side of the road because it'll sit there for a hundred years. What if you could eat it? What? What if you could actually eat it? And what if it tasted like coffee-flavoured ice cream wafers? That is genius, Kevin Ryan. Now, this is in Dublin, but I can see this coming to Cork. You're with Bolden Brass Coffee in Clontarf in Dublin. Kevin, what a fantastic idea. Where do they come from and when can I get one?
17: (laughs) How are you, PJ? How's it going, first of all? (laughs) Good, good. Great Yeah, no, look, uh, the coffee, the edible cup idea. um, I'm a teacher in a school and I'm, I'm always trying to tell the kids to cut down on, you know, bringing in plastic bottles and whatnot. And, and we just had a conversation in the staff room one day about, like, the amount of coffee cups that everyone uses. Like, the, the teachers come in every day, cups, 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 and just throwing in the bin. Mm. So I did a bit of Googling. I found a company in Bulgaria that supplied edible coffee cups. And I said, why not? So I sent them a message. Turns out that they had a supplier in, in Ireland already. Wow.
16: Right.
17: Um, sure. And when I reached out to them, I don't think they were actually targeting cafes. It was more, like, just individual consumers. All right. And um, so when I got got in contact with them, they were more than happy to send me out a box or two. um using the little coffee trailer that I have in Bald and brass in Clontarf, um, mm-hmm. I marketed it like mad, and it, it just really took off.
4: What are of they things. made of?
17: So yeah, as you said, it's it's almost like a hard wafer. And um, so the ice cream cones that you get, that you nibble at the end of it or whatever, it's a harder version of that. Right. And um, my first concern was like, are they going to melt in your hands? Yes. Is, is your, are you going to have coffee on your lap when you're driving? But they stay quite firm for 30 minutes, which I was amazed by. Nice.
4: Right. right.
17: Um, it's, it's one of those simple ideas that you'd imagine would have been out 20 years ago, but it just wasn't. Right. And, like, I'm delighted to have given people the opportunity to see him, I suppose. I'm not taking credit for the idea, but... Definitely, I, at least I went and, and just ordered a couple of them and I'm after ordering two more boxes since, so Eventually. obviously people like the idea.
4: Where, where, where do you get them from? Is the, the company you said is in Dublin, isn't they?
17: Yeah, so there, there's a company in Ashburn in, in Mead. Oh, I, think, um, no, I know it well. Yeah, they're called Better Me Coffee Cups. Right. Um, so if you want to look either myself up on Instagram and or them, uh, we'd be more than happy to help you out and, and source a you if you have your own cafe or even if you just want them for yourself at home. What, what's your, gram? Uh, bold and brass coffee on Instagram.
4: Okay, and and the other one is uh, B again. The international. What's the company called? Better me. Better me. Um, but yeah, B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E yeah, If f- you look up either, of them. I have a feeling that you're on to something. I really have. I really have. Kevin, thank you very much. Kevin Ryan uh, in Clontarf, from Dublin. Bold and brass coffee, but he's using edible coffee cups. Now that is an idea. I'll take on board.
2: I had planned to ask uh, Victoria what her go-to Bob said would be.
4: Uh, I forgot about that. I know what yours is. And it's amazing. This classic stuff is coming in. Not a lot of stuff from the last few years. No matter how much we've moved to the likes of Netflix or Amazon or Disney or wherever you get your stuff, it's classics are coming in, like Hill Street Blues. I have not seen Anywhere that you can get that box set. Night Rider, the A-Team, da da da, da loads more. Um, Airwolf. Someone wants to, I used I thought I was the only guy in the world that loved Airwolf back in the day. But any box set that you want, Down Snappy's a classic. Anyone that you want. Supposing I could give it to you at 12 o'clock to take it home for the weekend. What would be your go-to box set? Just a bit of fun uh, for the Friday. 1850 715 the number to call. Those lights in the sky. Buenos Aires, Svev was on to us from Madrid. She said, the lights in the sky. Elon Musk's SkyTrain. What? Yeah, and Eugene was on as well. Elon Musk's SkyTrain frightened the life out of people when they appeared over Madrid recently, uh, but you, you, that's this line of lights across the sky, and there's an article in Forbes magazine which says, if you have looked up at the sky recently and been surprised to see a train of bright lights going across the night sky, what is it? They are actually not an alien invasion, or not someone's fireworks or fairy lights that blew away in the storm. No, they are a, list, a line of satellites Launched by Elon Musk through his company SpaceX. They're a bit controversial, actually. He plans to launch thousands of them. And you can see them. His ultimate goal, of course, is blanket the space around Earth with thousands of these satellites. They're all about the size of, of a small car. About the size of a small car squashed into a square block. And, and they have a solar panel on one side which stores the light from the sun and then reflects it back, which is why they're so bright. So that's what you saw the other night, down around Dunmanway, over, wherever else you saw it. Elon Musk's Starlink train, or Star Train, Sky Train. eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six visible all across Europe. Speaking of Europe, today is Europe Day. And you ever wonder what we get out of Europe Day? What do we get out of Europe? What do we get out of Europe at all? Um, other than a lot of headaches and arguments about Brexit. But we do get things and um, down the road from us five minutes walk down the road from us is the wonderful Mary Ellams Bridge. And indeed it was through Europe through the funding, the European Regional Development Fund was what brought us the Mary Elms Bridge, which at the time that the idea came up, people said, Ah, Jesus, another bridge? Like, haven't we one above it and one below it? Do we really need another bridge? Not only is it a lovely bridge, dedicated to an incredible Cork woman, whose story we've all learnt, I think, as a direct result of focusing on the bridge. But it's been a big boost for the area. Geoffrey Cashman uh, has Tara's Tea Rooms just literally down underneath us here uh, on McCurton Street. Geoffrey, uh, good morning to you.
18: Good morning, PJ. This is actually Jeffrey's wife, Kate. Um, I beg I... your pardon, no, Jeffrey's wife, Kate. Not well. got busy in the kitchen, so <laughs> I hope you don't mind me stepping in.
4: I'm delighted to hear you, Kate. So it's been a big boost to the area, and people said, oh, what's another bridge going to do? But it's done a lot.
18: Absolutely. Like, look, we were sceptical at first, uh, along with a lot of other people, I think, whether we really needed a bridge between two other bridges. But, the, you know, the amount of traffic that that brings up onto McCurtain Street... Harley Street is looking fantastic mm. up onto Bridge Street you know it it really has been a boost even with like with the lockdown with people being stuck in the city and going for their walk within their 5k mm. like definitely with you know we're limited to doing takeaway at the moment so people coming in and getting a takeaway coffee and strolling down onto the bridge and being yes. able to sit there and look out in the water, you did, know? Did that recently. I yeah, got, got myself
4: a bit of takeaway lunch on the street there one Friday recently and, and wandered down, and it was a lovely sunny day, sat on the bridge and just, just took in the beauty of my city.
18: Absolutely. It just gives people space to, to stop and sit and to reflect or, mm. you know, there.
4: Which you can't do perfect. on the other bridges, you see.
18: Absolutely. And, like, I think we forget... Well, I certainly wasn't aware of the the vast population that are living in the city and are now working from home, you know, like they, they need to get out for their lunch hour. They need to, to get out and get a bit of fresh air and a bit of sunshine. Mm. And that gives them somewhere, you know, they might not want to walk all the way out to Fitzgerald's Park or out to the marina, whereas at least this is something that's quite mm. accessible to to McCurtain Street or to Wellington Road, and yeah. they can be back in their back in the, at their desk in 20 minutes,
4: you know? So I think it's great as well, for particularly for kids who will see this lovely new bridge and they'll see this name, who was Mary Elms, and they'll Absolutely. be encouraged to go and read about this remarkable woman.
5: Absolutely,
18: yeah, you know, like, this, this is why, Do you know, even the Christy Ring Bridge, I remember growing up, I didn't have a clue who Christy Ring was until, you know, I just knew there was a bridge named after him. Do you know, these things are are how that generation starts asking questions about people, you know. So I think it's a fantastic, fantastic addition. You know, it links the it links McCurtain Street down to the retail mm-hmm. that's the city centre. You know, we have we have a nice eclectic little bunch of of retail shops on the street, but you know, anything that opens us up to more or just kind of envelops us into the city centre mm-hmm. is a fantastic addition. That's so great. It's definitely been positive from from our point of view.
4: You mentioned just being takeaway there in Tara's tea rooms, I suppose, anxiously waiting to be able to welcome people in again or let people sit down again.
18: Yeah, like I'm I'm kind of torn in regard to am I excited, am I nervous, am I apprehensive? Like a massive, massive amount of business would have been tourists. So, you know, like we have have a good relationship with a lot of the B&Bs and the hostels and the hotels in the area. They're always very good for sending us people. So that is obviously curtailed somewhat. But another side of it would have been people working in the area, you know. But offices, as you were saying this morning, a lot of people won't be going back to their their office. A lot of people will still continue to work from home. So we just need to be conscious of, look, we're not going to be opening up and being full on day one either, you know, like there there isn't the same population working in the city, in the offices in the city. So, you know, look, it it'll be a cautious reopening. I yep. can't afford to to stock the place up to the hilt and uh to, yep. to have a full full army of staff here yep. if if we're only going to be doing half of what we normally would yep. do. So look, it's it's scary times but yep. we we just need to
4: Stick stick Uh, with it and we'll get there. Exactly, Exactly. that's all we can do. Kate, thank you very much and my best to Geoffrey. That's Kate Funtara's Tea Rooms, literally underneath us here, uh, McCourtney Street, um, just under Cox 96 FM. Wonderful little place. And I would love for people to be able to go into it very soon because it's beautiful inside. So nice. Uh, On Europe Day and the European funding, and what did the European Union ever do for me? Kind of question. Kieran uh, McCarthy is an Assembly Member, Committee of the Regions representative for the Southern Region. Big title, Kieran. What does it mean? Good morning.
19: Hi, PJ. How's it going? And uh, yeah, Mike. Congrats to Tara Tea Rooms as well. That, that story just—it's absolutely fantastic. Um, well, my my job is through the through central government. I'm one of nine people that represent local local and regional government um, within Ireland. And um, so basically, I have to go to to Brussels every few weeks. Where now it's all done virtually, and I have to bang the table, kind of going, "Well, what funding is available for local and regional authorities? And also, SPAS, knowledge exchange programmes, and and what can we get from the membership of the European Union? Um, So, I mean, at at this moment in time, Ireland invests um, 2.3 billion euros um, and and what we get back from that is we get 1.6 billion euros and then we can invest in different projects. So you, you pay for the members to be part of the membership of the European Union so that there's free movement of goods and people and so on. And then you get funding for different projects back and then there's not as exchange and of course, Mary Elmes was one of those projects that got funding. It got one point five million mm. euros. So, so, did you
4: have to, to negotiate stuff. for that funding, or are you and your colleagues? No,
19: I, I don't negotiate. Um, so, you mentioned the Southern Regional Assembly, which is a managing authority of, st- of funds coming in. So, there are three managing authorities in, in Ireland. So, there's a, a Dublin Midwest, and uh, there's a Dublin area, and then there's a Midwest. And then there's the Southern Assembly based in Waterford. And so their job basically is to negotiate with the European Commission on where the funding should go. Mm. Like Ireland is deemed a, a progressive country, so we don't get money for building roads anymore. Um, so it's usually into science, technology, enterprise, um trying to decarbonize the environment right. um, and also, susto- like, they, they call it well, sustainable urban What I was kind of
4: asking, Ken, like, did you get to make a pitch or your colleagues get to make a pitch for this idea for a bridge across the Lee? Is that how it was done?
19: Um, I didn't make the pr- pitch personally, but my, my my job would be to to showcase to other members of the committee of the region. So the committee of the region has 27 member states and... Um, There's nine from Ireland, but in other countries there are more members because they're bigger countries. Um, So my job is to say, look, that Ireland as a small country is important. You can't just bypass the small cities or the small countries that we're we're also important. So I I bang the desk mostly to say that, that I speak up for... I don't represent Cork directly, but... Um, I do give a lot of Cork examples um, you're, a like a Cork,
4: of, you're a bit like a, an MEP from Cork, you don't really represent Cork, you, you just you represent the region, uh, that is that it? I'm
19: a councillor MEP, that's, that, that's what I am gotcha. so I represent, Cork, I mean I, I do raise Cork City Council's interest, I mean one of the things I've been banging the table on in City Hall is that, that, that we needed a European funding officer who's chasing down funding, who's basically looking at all the options coming through from the European Commission and that we actually actually moving them Um, And so Mary Ellen's Bridge was one of the projects that was moved on. I'm not not saying I was directly involved with it, but I I, I keep banging the desk and sitting all going, please search for more funding, because like 1.5 million euros to the European Commission is is very little funding, Mm. but 1.5 million euros to Cork City Council is huge.
7: Um, And I
19: know at the time people were also kind of, they were on to me kind of going, oh, it shouldn't have been invested in the bridge, it should be invested in, in housing, or it should be invested somewhere else. But there are rules that the European Commission kind of puts down that if you're a progressive country, you can only invest in certain things. Yes, Um, And actually, the Irish government really haven't asked the European Commission for funding for housing. Um, they've asked for a whole range of other things, so there's limits to what I can ask for, and I can sure. ask away. But the European Commission will go well. Your central government. This is what they've they've asked for, okay. and this is what we're giving them.
4: Well, keep that um, keep that work going on, uh, Kieran, uh, in the background. Um, thank you very much, Councillor Kieran McCarthy. He's a member of the Committee of the Regions representing the Southern Region, um, the people who go to get the money for things like the Mary Elms Bridge. And this is Europe Day, and we just mark them. Um, Our market by by remembering great projects like that. 1850, 715, 996. Jer says on box sets Sex and the City, the full series. Yes, 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 and yes again. The Tudors. Oh, I haven't heard that one. And The Harlows or Harlots up to series three. I never heard of that one. That's a new one on me.
2: Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM with
3: Dairy Made Premium Spread 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. My first ever festival You guys took me there met Lewis Capaldi My favourite thing about Going to Indy that time Was Obviously meeting Lewis Capaldi But it was the toasted sandwiches
20: I didn't care about anything else
3: We can never tell The likes of <laughs> Lewis Capaldi Or Wild Youth That a toasted sandwich Outdid them
20: By a mile <laughs>
3: Oh we are some crack At a festival Oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Got me
20: feeling
2: So good Lorraine and Demi
3: Lorraine and Demi Live Why would a person Want to listen to our show? Because I'm here why would a person want to listen to George? Don't do that.
2: <laughs> Lorraine and Demi live Saturdays 2 to 6 p.m.
3: With Popsicle, Castle Street, Winthrop Street, and the English Market, Cork City, the home of mouth-watering, ice-cool, handcrafted gourmet popsicles. See Popsicle.ie.
2: Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
3: Call us
2: now, 1850-715-996. On courts 96
4: FM. Still your suggestions coming in for, for box sets. Any box set that you could want for the weekend. And they're all kind of classics. Very few of the modern box sets of the last couple of years, or even of the 90s, coming in. Uh, a lot of them are naughty. A lot of them are crime shows. A lot of great crime shows uh, coming in. Do you know what? What I might do, actually, is maybe at one minute to twelve, I might play out on the most unusual sig tune from a classic box set. How's that? I'll find it if it's there and play out on the most unusual one. So give me your box set. Think outside the box, as it were, and we'll play out on the one that that you like the most. Some of them are really mad choices. Ones I'd I'd love to play out on the West Wing, um, on stuff like that. Please don't give me the Waltons. God Almighty, don't give me the Waltons. And if anyone gets Little House in the Prairie, I'll jump screaming out the window. But yeah, 083, 396, 96, 96. Bit of fun for a Friday. Have you seen pictures recently of Will Smith? Um, He has developed what they call a dad bod. Now, to me, it just looks like sort of an ordinary bod in that the the shredded six-pack is gone and he's sporting a few pounds. He's sporting the the COVID kilo and the, the... COVID stone and the Christmas kilos and he's quite a you know he's happy out about it he looks more like a human being than if he was all shredded and ripped and also Mark Wahlberg uh, was pictured without his, uh, he always has a six pack. He looks like he could break rocks off him. Like he's, that's gone too. His six pack is gone. Gone for a new movie. But all of these photographs prompted Tanya Sweeney uh, to write a, a piece about it in, in the Irish Independent. W- were you not impressed by Will Smith's dad bod Tanya? Good morning to you. <sighs>
20: Good morning. No, I'm really, I tell you what, I am impressed by Will Smith's dad bod. I quite like a dad bod. I live with a dad bod, you know. Um, What what I'm finding a little bit annoying is that he put this dad bod, as Will calls it, which is a normal, like you say, a normal body, you know, up on on Instagram. And now he's like, I don't feel great. I'm in the worst shape of my life. Now that's great. he's a Hollywood movie star, you know. Um, To a lot of civilians, you know, Will's worst shape is their best shape, you know.
4: What age is he now?
20: Oh gosh I, That's a good question I think he's coming up babe. He's in his 50s anyway I know yeah. that much
4: I mean I'm, t- well, I'm sorry now like, But for a fella in his 50s He looks fairly well
20: You really does you know absolutely, and
4: he considers himself to, to be fat.
20: <laughs> well, he this is the problem, and this is, he's now decided that he's going to have a weight loss and 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 kind of training journey on YouTube. You know, and I think what's kind of interesting about this this picture coming out is that everyone's like, "Oh, great, Will Smith looks normal." No, he's not happy looking normal. He wants to go back to being chiseled and six pack and all the rest. Of no. And he does say. It came from comfort eating, stress, the same stuff that everyone else in the world yeah. has gone through. Midnight muffins, as he calls it, you know. Yeah. and Love I mean, handles. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> love handles. Or footholds, as some handle. of us have, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, listen, you know, but I mean, I, this is what I find. I mean, I think when I saw the, the, the picture, I was like, this is great, you know. And Fair play to him for being a normal human being, but no, he's not happy being a normal human being. Now, the what interesting thing is about the sort of dad bod phenomenon. I mean, there are so many of them. There, they're usually kind of men in their forties, their fifties, who basically don't look like a Calvin Klein model anymore. You know. And, you know, the press, I, I wrote this into my uh, column yesterday in the Irish Independent, the media are very, very kind of easy on them, as they should be, you know, and they're like, oh, dad bods are lovely and squishy. And, you know, they show a guy that might, you know, have a beer and, and order a pizza, our kind of guy. Now, that's grand. I love that. Yeah. If only they would uh, extend the same courtesy to women, you that's know, the I mean, point if, we're
4: making, isn't it? Yeah.
20: Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if Gwyneth Paltrow, heaven forfend, was to turn around now and and put on a stone, I mean, we'd never hear the end of it. And neither would she, you know. And I mean, I keep hearing about, you know, people like Rebel Wilson, Adele, you know. And the only thing I hear about them is their is their weight loss, you know, and the fact that they've managed to to lose several stones. You know, couldn't tell you if if Adele has an album out or Rebel Wilson has a film out. But, you know, they're just spoken about entirely in terms of this weight loss. I seen, Nicole
4: Kidman is in a new television show called Mayor of Eastwood. Yeah. And, and she looks like any woman you'd meet in the street. And you know what? I haven't seen her looking so well in a long time.
7: Well, this is the
20: thing, you know. But, but I think our kind of idea of what constitutes thin or fat it has been completely worked. I mean, if you look at Billie Eilish's you know, Vogue photo, shoots, yeah. I don't know if you saw those photos. I did. She looks absolutely banging, you know what I mean? But everyone is talking about how she's curvy or a mid-sized or plus-sized. I, like, I was looking at those photos going, sorry now, I just see a shapely, in-shape, healthy Looking mm. woman, you know, and we really do. And I think I said this in the column: we really do need to ditch this. We we did it all through the the nineties and the nineties, where people like you know Kate Winslet or Renee Zellweger were considered fat, you know, and they t- they are now talking about how you know dangerous and unhealthy that kind of mindset was for them and for younger kind of people you know and we have to ditch it we have to apply the dad bod principle to everybody you know we can't just say wasn't oh, it great that Matt Damon looks now normal and like you would have a pizza we need to everyone needs to be talked about like that basically
4: mm. you know like the, the, what they don't tell you about those shredded bodies and no it's it, I've never had one but what they, <laughs> what, they what they don't <laughs> tell you is you know uh, sorry now but two teasers and you start to expand yeah. You
20: know. <laughs> well, so what they don't tell you is that it takes about six hours a day to do that yeah. you know I mean like I, I think Madonna was kind of honest enough to say how much she works out and I think it was re- it rounded up to about six hours a day and it is a lifetime of deprivation and fight. and well I mean that's great if you like Kelp crack on like you know what I mean <laughs> but if you know, like you say, if you fancy two Maltesers. You're kind of in trouble, you know. But I mean, it takes so, and they don't. A lot of people aren't honest about that, and people just think it's kind of a god-given kind of, mm. you know, um, gift or whatever. You know, if you want to, I hate using cool. the word,
4: but you now know, walk I mean? around and, the block and a few kale smoothies, and we'd be grand. Exa-
20: no. Well, let, let me tell you, forget it. You know, and it does give it. Makes you know it. It does everybody else such a disservice who's maybe working out in the gym every day and not getting under a size fourteen or sixteen or whatever. You know, you just we really do need to kind of go back to basics and start having this conversation all over again. But let's start now with with Will Smith and his midnight muffins and 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 let's leave him there. You know, and and the other the, the Mark Wahlberg you know kind of pictures came out at the same time. He's got a bit of a a little. Well, it's not even a cut. He just looks like a regular exactly. guy. You know what I, mean? I mean, he's gone God. from a fella
4: who could blunt chisels and, and now he looks like he's normal. But-
20: now he looks like a thin, regular guy, you yeah. know. But, I mean, he's going on now about, you know, this new film role. And, of course, he's now being talked about. And it, it, it happened with Jared Leto. It happened with Christian Bale. They put on a couple of pounds for a role and you think they're, you know, method- maverick actors I mean it really does you know hack me off a bit now
4: quick, quick yeah. question for you Tanya before I let you go mm. I was thinking this one over this morning like in terms of someone like say Kate Winslet now or Billie Eilish or anyone like, and, mm. but, like it's such a change for Billie and that she's normally slopping around in, in tracksuits which I think is great she's not oh yeah. no, but like who's harder on the women is it men or is it other women
20: that's a really, really good question, and I do think, uh, you know, a lot of the commentary coming up around Ail- you know, Billie Eilish is around kind of, you know, it, it is women. I think a lot of men, you know, I mean, you get the, you know, the odd troll who just says it to, to, to start a fire on Twitter, do you know what I mean, yeah. for the crack. But I think a lot of it, and a lot of it again, you know, hands up is is media fueled. Do you know that kind of way? And 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 people having hot takes on, you know, her curvy body and her curvy this and curvy that, and it's like we just—it's the wrong language to be using, you know. And, um, you know, I mean, I I I can't get over those pictures. And like you're right, you know, I mean, Billie Eilish always had a thing where she um, wore baggy clothes because she didn't want to be sexualized and she didn't want to be spoken about in terms of her body. And the and problem she was with that is that... was comfortable
4: in those clothes.
20: Well, I mean, wouldn't she be? I mean, God, they're, they're fantastic for loping around the gaff, you know. But, <laughs> you know, she did say... I mean, and it kind of backfired on her because then people were, you know, she made a thing of it, you know. And by making a thing of how her body wasn't a thing, if this makes any sense, she made it into a thing. And then people were just all about the fact that she didn't want to be sexualized because it was so unusual for a pop I mean, we're living in really curious times when you think about it. My God.
4: Introduced crazy. It. It's always great to catch up. That's Tanya Sweeney, uh, columnist with the Irish Indo on the dead bod phenomenon and why we can't just be happy that they look ordinary. I tell you, Will, Will Smith doesn't look anything spectacularly... He's not, like, lobbing around the place. There's not a bit of him here and a bit of him there. He's, he's just ordinary and looks great 1850 715 the MASH box set says Frank more for the A-team a few John Wayne Westerns says another one very good 83 uh, 396 if you can come up with, with any more ideas for that can
2: we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With
3: Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural, and made in
2: Cork using West Cork Cream.
3: Can we just talk?
2: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
3: Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396
2: 96 96. On Courts 96 FM. There's a story
4: breaking this morning on the jobs front. Now, it's a loss of 100 jobs, which is tragic. And they're in Dublin. And they'll be gone by the end of 2022. But what factory is closing? The Pseudo Cream Factory is closing. Pseudo cream, Um, you might have known it, you might not. Pseudo cream's actually an Irish product. And it was invented uh, by a guy called Thomas Smith in Dublin, in Cabra in Dublin, invented by him back in 1931. Originally they called it Smith's Cream, then they called it Soothing Cream, and then Pseudo Cream. And there's 30-odd million pots of Pseudo Cream sold around the world every year. But now they're closing the factory in Dublin, the company's owned by a different company. It's called uh, by Teva Pharmaceuticals now. It's long since been sold out of the Smith family. I hope they made plenty of money on it. And, of course, it hit the headlines a few weeks back when there's Madonna going up in her black knickers and she's doing her exercises on the telly. And there she is with a jar of pseudo behind her. Did you see that? Yeah, the pseudo factory, unfortunately, is too close with the loss of 100 jobs. They are making pseudo cream now. They're going to make cream now in Bulgaria. That's sad. I'd say there's hardly a medicine cabinet or a chest of drawers or a toolbox around. Yes, a toolbox, I've seen them, with a without a jar of pseudo cream in it. It's kind of one of those things that's sort of always been there. Like pseudo cream is part of us. So part, but did you know it was an Irish product? Did you know it was invented in Dublin by a fellow called Mr Smith in nineteen thirty one? Well you do now. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. New feature starting on the programme today. We'll have it every Friday uh, for the next wee while uh, called Cork versus COVID. And as we hopefully come out of this pandemic over the coming weeks and months, slowly, not too quickly, slowly and carefully, we'll be focusing every week on how Cork is overcoming the challenges posed by the pandemic. The first series or the first episode of the series is looking at festivals and how organisers have been hosting the festivals that we all love, but trying to do it in line with COVID guidelines. Here's Fiona Cochrane.
21: Last year saw the cancellation of many of the much-loved festivals in Cork but this year they're back just in different formats. A number of musical performances were hosted online last weekend for the Bally Jazz Festival and while they were recorded behind closed doors, Joe Leary says it was great to have performers in the town.
6: It's been magic
4: even if there's only the sound engineer, the lighting engineer and the camera person there masked up to this. But It's amazing for the musician because they're not getting to play to anyone really lately like you know and 12 months of this
21: now. Likewise the Cork International Choral Festival went virtual last weekend. It has been nice
4: to at least be able to
8: meet people at St. Vinbar's Cathedral for, for their recording sessions and those performing artists have been very grateful for the opportunity to, to actually come and do something as well.
21: Artistic Director Peter Stobart says they can't wait for the return of live audiences. From a performing point of view any kind of audience is better than an online audience if,
8: if we're being honest with Ourselves, and and it's much better to have that personal interaction. So much of the festival atmosphere is is created obviously by people coming in and and that multicultural feel that we always have.
21: The Fastnet Film Festival brings thousands of visitors from around the world to West Cork every year. We estimate it brings in just under 2 million spend in
10: the area, which is huge and so crucial to the survival of this area, and this part of the country. So it's been sorely missed, certainly last year and this year. While we still have a festival and we still have the expense of running a festival, we don't have the payback in terms of people being on the ground
21: 350 short films will be shown online at the end of this month festival director Hilary McCarthy says they probably could have had live audiences if they pushed the date out But we decided that we would keep our dates because people are used to us
10: always having it at the end of May we chose the end of May because it's the shoulder season for the summer so it sort of kickstarts the tourist season here in Skull and West Cork.
21: The Cork Harbour Festival will return in June but with smaller events as manager Joya Kuhn explains. We might
20: have have a small seaweed gathering walk down uh, East Corkside. side. Um, there might be a small group of people doing a kayak or sub-river cleanup. Um, you know, those kind of small things can go ahead. They're participatory. They won't attract a the crowd.
21: They've also come up with ways that people from around the world can participate.
20: People will row or paddle five miles wherever they are in the whole wide world and then submit their time to us and join an online celebration. It's got over 600 people signed up from across the world, places as far as Australia, New Zealand and um, the US.
21: Similarly, the Cork Midsummer Festival is going ahead in June with some shows performed in front of small audiences. Director Lorraine May says it's
22: been a major challenge. It's a totally different way to plan a festival because you're doing everything from your kitchen table um, with, you know, just on Zoom and that's very unusual. You would normally be meeting artists, we'd normally be out and about. You know, that, uh, that has definitely been challenging. And, you know, trying to communicate as a team and, you know, just keeping that information flow, I think, is one of the more more challenging bits. And obviously with all the keeping everyone safe. Um the COVID compliance, you know, all the all the guidelines, we need to do a lot around that as well. She hopes to bring some of these new ideas to future festivals. Artists have been really brilliant at recreating we'll say theatre for example, just giving that essence of theatre online and having that sort of theatrical experience. So I think it's also uh, meant that things have been more accessible to people as well and audiences that wouldn't normally be able to come to the festival or go to events. So I think some element of that will stay. I think this idea of a hybrid performance where you have some live and some online element. I think that will stay. And I also love this idea of bringing events directly into communities um, and having that happen as opposed to you know, yes, you have your cultural spaces that everyone gathers around, but also you have these experiences that come to you as well. So I think we'll hold on to some of
5: that.
4: That's the first in our new series Cork versus Covid, which we'll have for you every Friday over the next while with Fiona and This week looking at festivals and how they've Managed to deal with the COVID pandemic. A typical Cork. We just decided, right, what do we have to do? Let's get on with this. And you know, hopefully by the end of the series, we'll be almost at the end of COVID. Wouldn't it be great if it was? And we'll get there. We will get there. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six, another one from Cork versus COVID next Friday on the opinion line. On body image and Will Smith and all them, Pauline says, you're right, mayor of Easttown, Kate looks like a normal woman. Plus, what a show. Brilliant, but made all the better by her performance. It is a great show. It really is a great sh- It's set in a town that looks like an awful kip, but it really does look a depressing kip of a town. But it's a great show. Really, really good show. Uh, looking forward to watching another episode or two tonight. And uh, Also, Kate says, Nobody's the perfect shape. I'm five foot nothing. I used to wish I was taller. And they would wear high shoes. Now I'm happy going around to be flip-flops. We must remember that people we see are airbrushed. Oh, airbrushed beyond an inch of their lives, Kate. I'm glad you realised that. Actually, I've been meaning to mention this since yesterday morning. There's a new Harlan Coben series on Netflix called The Innocent. And Harlan has signed a massive deal. I mean a massive deal with Netflix to make about seven or eight of his stand-alone novels into television shows. We've had The Stranger was on before, that was brilliant. Also, The Five, look up The Five, it's on the Now box sets and Sky box sets a few years ago. Uh, the Woods, which I must say I wasn't overly happy with, having read it many years ago. But the new one is The Innocent. Now, when... Harlan wrote this, it was based like many of his books, based in New Jersey where he, he he sets an awful lot of his books in or around New Jersey but they've decided to relocate it and move it and film it in Spain in Spanish with subtitles, or dubbed and I was worried about the fact that if it's dubbed, like, God, will it look awful? It doesn't, it actually works out really well The Innocent is brilliant, it's typical Harlan Coburn at the end of every Episode so far. Oh, fuck. What? Ha, oh, what? What? And just when you think you know what's going on, he whips it out to Monday. No, ha, what? what? So I really recommend it. Harlan Coburn, The Innocent, currently streaming on Netflix. Tomorrow morning, like I said, the weather is looking grotty for the weekend, uh, to, to say the least. Um, and the the worry is that there won't be much of a sunrise tomorrow. Now, looking at my ever-reliable dark sky app Uh, it it looks as if there'll be a lot of rain going on in the early hours of the morning, temperatures maybe 11 or 12 degrees which doesn't bode well for a nice sunrise but still the darkness into light, the virtual darkness into light will be taking place around the country and down around Kinsale they have have something special added to it and that is Kinsale rocks, Uh, Maeve Edwards and her kids Ruby and Jimmy have been painting a thousand Rocks, painted them yellow. Is that it, Maeve? Good morning to you.
12: Good morning, PJ. How are you?
4: Good. What have you been doing?
12: Um, well, it, we we had offered to... There's a an amber, uh, blue and amber parade going on, which yeah. is... Um, it's like a parade of frontline vehicles. And this year, there's also um, the farming community going through Kinsale, Um, there'll be 150, um, you know, Gardy Ambulance or NLI tractors going through town. So we had offered, um, because we have Kinsale Rocks, it's like um, a kindness initiative. Um, We had offered to maybe do 100 approximately rocks to just kind of scatter them around the town, you know, so that when they're driving through, they may see them or they'll be around the town. But it kind of quickly escalated overnight. I was thinking, how could we raise money by doing what we do? So um, I said to the kids, how do you feel about doing A Thousand Rocks? They thought I was gone daft, mm-hmm. um, but we, we set ourselves a challenge, put up a fundraising page, and we just went about doing it. So, yeah, they're done now. They were done a week uh, prior to our target date, so we were quite happy with that.
4: We're down to and You took every, every rock you lay your hands yeah. on. <laughs>
12: The jewels of the beach <laughs> yeah we were, yeah, yeah, we did. We took, we took a thousand rocks over over the few weeks, and um, we painted them with um, well we started off with painting them just with the word "hope" um, on them, and we kind of got a bit bored of that, so we started putting positive quotes on right. them um, Peter House logos um, yeah there's lots of things Great. there are loads of butterflies and stuff like that ah, yeah.
4: but, and where can people do it you have a fundraiser going on as well where, where uh, can the people they're
12: g- going on in our Kinsale Rocks um, Facebook page yeah okay,
4: so, and yeah, you can donate that way is it
12: you can donate that way yeah yeah, okay, yeah. so it should be, be a fabulous good, morning I good, know people oh, can't get together yeah. but you know it should be a nice
4: morning hopefully it will hopefully the weather will hold hopefully the forecast will be wrong because it looks it looks like a not very nice Saturday morning but we'll see you'd never know thank you Maeve Maeve Edwards as part of the Darkness Into Light the parade that they do uh, at Thousand Rocks and if you want to donate Kinsale Rocks on Facebook you'll find out more about that have a listen have a listen to this 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 is a lovely little story um, Anne your mum loved that song
23: she did yeah she did absolutely
4: and she loved she loved Daniel
23: Oh, she loved Daniel, she did, absolutely, she did, she really loved him, yeah, she listened to, you know, she had all his tapes, and she went to his concerts, and she had calendars and books, and yeah, the house is full of stuff, belonged to Daniel.
4: So, what happened yesterday in Shannon?
23: Uh it, it was actually Wednesday, um, Daniel basically made contact uh, by phone, he, he contacted the Undertakers, and um, made, he sang a song um, at my mother's gravesite.
4: Oh my goodness, Uh, and of course in in these difficult times for funerals
23: Yeah
4: It must have meant so much
23: It did, it did, yeah, it it was lovely, it it really was I mean, because um, I had my brothers lined up to just, you know, play that particular song Beyond the Rainbow's End, to play that at the graveside and, you know, I said, I don't care how you do it, just even just put your phone up against the microphone or something like that. And then when the undertaker came along and said that most people would have a recording of the music that they want to play by the graveside, and the first thing I thought of was, oh no, there's a problem. And then he said, but we actually have uh, the man himself here on the phone, Daniel O'Donnell. And we just couldn't believe it. We were just after putting my mother into the ground. The prayers had been said, and you know, we were feeling so low, and this was really like it was like as if she was there watching over us and it was fabulous, it really was lovely
4: How did it, how did it come to happen?
23: Um, my sister's friend uh, Dolores, uh, she's marketing director with Hidden Hearing and she would have worked with Daniel a few years ago because Daniel would have been brand ambassador for Hidden Hearing mm-hmm. and it was Monday night Dolores said to my sister, she said look send me on a picture of your mother with Daniel and I'll see if I can get him to put up a message of condolence on R.I.P. So we thought, oh my God, that would be fabulous. And, um, so she did. And Daniel and Magella, next thing we saw Sunday dinner, or Monday night, we saw Daniel and Magella on, um, on the condolences. And we thought that was brilliant. And I showed my dad and he couldn't believe it was Daniel and Magella. And, you know, he, he got quite emotional. And then the following day, then Daniel rang my sister and he was talking to her on the phone for ages and just, you know, you know, just about my mother and you know how how we all were and stuff like that and um so we thought no more about it but uh, but Daniel was actually watching the mass, and oh he goodness. heard my eulogy, and he heard how I he mentioned that there was three people in the marriage, you know, <laughs> and that you know my father just had to accept that that was the case, and that my mother you know was just so mad about daniel and he made contact with the undertakers and um that that's how it happened. It just kind of went from there. We knew nothing yeah. about it. Because
4: I think what a lot of people don't realise about Daniel O'Donnell and having had the opportunity to meet him and uh, more than once and interview him a few times, he actually is a thorough yes. gent.
23: Yeah, absolutely, He's, and and that's and that's why I I put it out in the public domain. I just wanted to highlight how kind Daniel was. He didn't have to do that, you know. He wasn't getting anything out of it, but you know, it, it just really touched us, and so that, that's that's why I just kind of put it out there, you know.
4: Yeah, yeah. Tell me a bit about mum. What was she like?
23: Um, she was she was a gas woman, gas altogether. She was warm. She was jolly. She loved the crack, and she was mischievous. Um, she was very young at heart. Do um, you know, like she, she didn't feel her age at all? And actually, I see in one of the articles that was printed there now earlier, I think it might be the examiner, they described her as a pensioner. And I said, oh my God, she'd hate that. <laughs> um, but she loved children, loved babies, loved meeting people, loved going out, music, dancing, and um, yeah, and loved Daniel.
4: Yeah, yeah, and loved that song in particular, which I hadn't heard, yeah. I must say, in quite oh, a long time fabulous, until I was yeah. listening to it this morning. Yeah, And yeah. my condolences on your loss.
23: Thank you, thank you, PJ. Thank and my, you. my best
4: uh, to your dad and to and to the rest of the family. Yeah.
23: Thanks very uh, much, a and, and a big thank you to Daniel as well. Indeed,
4: thank you. It's a, it's a tough old time, uh, losing anybody, ever. But I think losing people in the middle of this pandemic has been so much harder for, for lots of people. And, you, you know, when you... Look at Daniel O'Donnell, and you think there's a guy who's made millions, millions, and millions, and millions. But to do that, something so generous for for a fan. I'm not too sure that there's many stars of his ilk, and he is a star, who would have done something like that.
2: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.